everybody. Thank you for tuning in to the Wilderness Tamer podcast. This is episode number 10, The Chronicles of Lloyd. Quick shout out to the show's sponsors. It's Dry Pocket Apparel. They are the future of swimwear that come with an integrated dry bag and a magnetic strip that allows you to go 100 feet down and keep your phone dry as a bone. So go check them out on Facebook and Instagram and as well as drypocketapparel.com. Now use promo code all caps wilderness to get you 25% off your order. Now with spring rolling around, go check out Nomad Outdoors. They have great clothing and camo options to keep you out all day chasing those thunder chickens. They have old school and new school camouflage, so whatever flavor you like, they have it. Go check them out at nomadoutdoors.com. Now my third sponsor is Strive Beef Biltong. They are premium cuts of air-dried steak sliced thin with mouth-watering flavors that are keto-friendly and 14 to 16 grams of serving protein per serving. Now, go check them out. They're a great lightweight addition to keeping your pack out there taming your wilderness. Now, my fourth sponsor is City Bonfires. Just as Ancient Caveman, you have the ability to carry fire with you wherever you go. It comes in a metal tin with a soybean wax you can cook over, and it's also a heck of a fuel source when you're out in the wilderness and you're needing some heat. So go check them out on Facebook and Instagram. And I want to give a huge thank you to all the support from the sponsors. And now we're going to get into it. My guest this week is my cousin Lloyd. And he's pretty much an archer mentor, outdoorsman. And he's got a different way of hunting, and he seems to connect. So welcome to the podcast, Lloyd. <laughs> <laughs> and good to be here. So how have things been going this past hunting season for deer and stuff like that? Uh, it's been one of those years, but, you know, it's... uh. You know, having a five-year, well, five-year-old daughter and a now eight-year-old son. Mm-hmm. Uh, you know, the the hunting aspect of it, it's just it's not about me. Yeah, I'll say you've been letting Lee, uh, Eli been buying the trigger for the most part. Yes, so it's it's about taking him, and so I pretty much put you know the big buck hunting to the side. Mm-hmm. It's just um, that time of life too. <laughs> yeah, yeah. You know, it's just the, the hunting I got to do. You know. I, you know, killed one deer this year, and it was uh, open a day of bow season. That doe you sent me, right? Mm-hmm. That's cool. And then uh, that was the first deer I've killed in probably five years with a bow. Really? Yeah. Now, just going back in time, I say, when did you really get into, or when did you get started to hunt? Uh, you know, just growing up, you know, on our farm there, and I was very fortunate to have a family farm, and it was mm-hmm. just... Y'all know, raised cattle, didn't you, out there? We had cattle on the farm, along with uh, we had pigs at one time. And, mm-hmm. But you know, you know, then we played baseball, so we had a lot of things going on. Yeah. So you know, my my dad's the one that started, you know, taking me hunting and taking mm-hmm. me fishing. Yeah. And then uh, you know, when you get to that age where they feel confident or safe to let me go by myself fishing. Yeah. Which. What age was that? I, I was probably you know. Uh, Part of age that Eli is now, but really? eight. Just bank fishing. Bank fishing. Yeah. But the reason they, they let me do it without being, you know, having an adult standing by me mm-hmm. was because the, the pond was basically in my grandparents' front yard. Oh, yeah. So okay. they, I know you're talking about that. Yeah. So they can just look out the window or, or my, you know, Mima, as mm-hmm. I called her, she would sit on the front porch and just keep an eye on me. And, yeah. And yeah, I just fish off the bank. That still gives you your independence, and you learn to do it on yourself, landing that fish and all that stuff too. Mm-hmm. Now, what age did you get into hunting? Yeah, I started hunting, you know, early on with my dad, off and on. It it wasn't one of those things that just clicked with me. Mm-hmm. You know, I went with him deer hunting, and and whenever I first started deer hunting, you know, I didn't see a deer not until probably when I was uh, 
11 years old. Really? Were y'all rifle hunting? Well, rifle hunting, it was yeah. just a lot of our farmland, all the woods was utilized as cow pasture. I so, gotcha. so, you know, so you had cows in there and just constantly just kept them pushed out. Yeah. And, and there's a huge difference between now and then. I mean, you're looking mm -hmm. at, you know, almost 30 years ago. Yeah. Just the deer populations has, has flourished a lot more since then as well. Yeah. Because isn't that in that region of y'all's property, wasn't it like back in the 60s and 70s, didn't they bring mule deer down to blend in with the whitetail herd? Didn't the lane does do something like that? Uh, no, from from what I gather is that they brought deer from Wisconsin. Wisconsin, it okay. Whitetail deer. Okay, it's just bigger bone deer then. Mm -hmm. What you can tell, the deer y'all kill on y'all's property. What you're surrounded by, that plantation, we won't say which, but you know, you're surrounded by a big, big nice plantation and it pretty much encapsulates your whole property, doesn't it? It does. It so does. you get lucky, you might, like you say, for whitetail hunting, you one strategy you like, which I'm trying to adopt too, is have like a sanctuary, and it's pretty much your whole land is the sanctuary inside of the plantation, so it works out. <laughs> but I, I do have you know areas on my property that's like no no walk zone. I mean, only time I walk it is during turkey season, mm -hmm. obviously, yeah, and uh, looking for sheds. But then as it gets closer to deer season, especially during deer season, I mm -hmm. just don't walk it. Yeah, that's and, true. And keep so that scent down. I just keep uh, even when you know when I go in there and. I mm -hmm. try to, you know, feed year-round. I don't do anything special. I just keep, you know, a feeder out there year-round, and that's mm -hmm. it. I mean, it's not like I'm trying to increase the uh, Not overmanaged and all that stuff. Just keep no. animals in there so you have activity is the main thing. Yes, because, you know, I have you know, have two kids, and my wife likes to hunt, so I just want her to yeah. and them to. I was about to say, both of y'all taught me. <laughs> if it wasn't for you, Edward, and I, I don't know if I, the wilderness tamer would be here. So yeah. <laughs> I owe a lot to y'all. Now, I would say, what was your first hunting trip to where it actually clicked to where you're like, this is going to be something that I'm going to do for the rest of my life? I was probably 12 years old, and uh, that was probably the first year that my dad said, you know what, I, I know how you are with, with a rifle, you're responsible, so I, I feel comfortable to let you hunt, yeah. you know, by yourself. And, and what he did was he, he made a lighter stand out of wood, we mm -hmm. did. And it was like eight foot tall. So there was no worries <laughs> yeah. about me falling out and getting hurt. Yeah, if you did, it's just going to thump. <laughs> yeah. And so and so I had these stands and, and it was a, you know, that year I, I finally saw deer. And uh, th back then, you know, the doe days were very limited. It wasn't like, mm -hmm. you know, 90% of the season what, now. What, uh, what year was this? Uh, I was 12, so it was probably... Um, yeah, I say '97. Because I remember from where I started hunting '11. I don't remember ever being doe days until like starting here a few years back. Mm -hmm. So, which I'm kind of glad they did, especially after De was it November after the rut, they kind of let the does take a break. It was I can't. I just remember it was just the doe days are very limited, and yeah. it seemed like the times I saw does, the doe days were out. That's how it goes. And then, uh, and then one afternoon I had a buck come out, and it, and it was right there at low light, and I was shooting a old 30-30 with a Tasco scope on it. <laughs> yeah. And I could see the silhouette, seem clear, but what I couldn't see, which you know low light does, mm -hmm. is you know, whatever you know branches or twigs are out there. Yeah. Well, I shot a branch, and it deflected the bullet. Of course, I missed a deer. Dang. That and, sucks. Um, and then it was like a couple weeks later, I finally had a doe step out, mm -hmm. and um, for whatever reason, I was taking a shotgun. And she stepped out, and she was too far, and I shot. You know, I, I can well, see. Was a buckshot or slug? It was buckshot. Buck yeah. And I shot, and of course, I I didn't. I don't think I even cut a hair. Yeah. But we. Uh, That's how you learn, though. Just growing up, I had just missing deer, though. So, after that season, you know, I the season ended. I, I made a thing. You know what? I want to start bow hunting. Yeah. I said, and the reason is I'm going to kill my first deer. Yeah. And I have yet to kill a deer yet. Mm-hmm. I said I'm going to. 
I'm going to start shooting this bow during the off season. Mm-hmm. Well, my dad had a bare whitetail too. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I mean, it was 44 inches axle axle. <laughs> and, Tournament bow. <laughs> and Pretty it, much. I mean, that's how long it was. Yeah. And then it had we were shooting a Easton um, aluminum airs. I mean, it was yeah. the old fat shaft 20. 2512. Yeah. And it had five inch fletchings. Yeah. And it was shooting I was shooting 125 grain uh point on it. Good lord. So it was like shooting a log. Yeah, an old school grizzly stick kind of. <laughs> and so and I could not pull it back. And I remember we had it pull we had a you know release down a lot. Mm-hmm. And it probably was about 50, 55 pounds. I can't remember. Yeah. But I remember I was shooting it every day from the time deer season ended. Yeah, throughout the whole off season and when it got close to bow season i got where i was very you know proficient at it yeah and uh so it was that was the year i said i'm gonna kill my first deer mm-hmm. and, the re- and the reason i decided to take up archery just give myself a longer season maybe yes that too to, to increase more chances, chances. Yeah. yeah so i still remember it um i hunted you know open weekend of bow season i think it fell in the middle part of september then mm-hmm. and we <clears throat> i hunted and I mean, I was like religious on my, I would bathe, make sure I was sent free. Yeah. I mean, you about got to sometimes. And it, you know, I was 13 years old, so I was learning Believe a lot it, yeah, well. believing everything on the TV too. <laughs> and so I still remember this. This was on a Sunday, October 3rd. I was 13 years old, so this was 19, 1998. Okay. And uh, that morning I went hunting and I didn't see nothing. And I was tired because I've been getting up early and I've been yeah. trying. So I came back and it was raining. So I said, I'm just going to take a nap. Took a nap, and that afternoon the rain was about to stop. I said, I'm gonna get dressed and go hunting, check mm-hmm. the wind. I said, the wind's good. So I go and get my stand that afternoon, climb up, and, and the stand I had, it was probably like a, it was a 12 foot um, lean to ladder stand, it yeah. was just a platform. Mm-hmm. And then I had, my dad had an old baker stand, yeah. climbing stand. Yeah. And all I had was just a seat from that baker stand. And I had it, you know, positioned about, you know, I said, what, 24, 26 Just enough for you to sit on? Yeah, just of? tall enough off the platform to sit on it, so I stood, stood on the platform. Yeah. And um, I got in there and got my face mask on and was hanging on my bow. And this is before they had these fancy, you know, um, you know things you hang your bow on. Bow hangers and bow stuff, hangers. Yeah. And, uh, and I was shooting a thumb release made by Hot Shot. It was a plastic release. <laughs> yeah. And I was shooting 125 grain uh, Thunderheads. Oh, yeah. And I was sitting there. That's three blade, right? Yeah, it's three blade. Yeah. And I was sitting there, and I wasn't in there five minutes. And I didn't have a watch, but I, I can tell you, as soon as I got settled down, I was able to just take a breath, and then I heard something behind me. I was like, I just got in a stand. And so I was like, hmm. I heard it again. I said, that has to be a squirrel. I looked over my shoulder, and there comes this buck. Mm-hmm. He was like five yards. Yeah. Like he came out of the thicket behind me and started coming up. And I'm sitting in a red acorn tree. Mm-hmm. And there was acorns falling all around me. And he comes directly to the base of my tree. Wow. That I'm sitting in. So he's like kind of behind me. And so I had to stand up. And I remember my heart about to pound through my chest. <laughs> I imagine. Oh, God, it's fixing to happen. It's like, like, how am I going to stand up yeah. and pretty much do a bout face? Yeah. He's over here, you know, right behind me. And so I, I stood up, which took, seemed like it took an attorney to stand yes. up. He, you can hear him. He was so close that you can hear him crunching on the acorns. Oh, yeah. And uh, so I was able to ease around, and I drew that bow. Mm-hmm. And when I drew it back, and I had that, you know, pin, those pins settling in right behind his, 
actually right there, right above his left hand, because he was cording away hard. Okay. And uh, so I was thinking about where it was going to come out. And so when I released it, it was right there, probably at the last rib. And it went in there, and it popped out right underneath his right shoulder. Oh, so you got him good then. And he kicked up high, and he took off running. <laughs> and it was instantly, you know, you can see the blood pumping out. And I was like, <laughs> man, that's an excellent shot. Yeah. And uh, I jumped out of the stand after the deer ran out of sight. And uh, and I ran as hard as I could. I probably ran three, 400 yards to my four-wheeler as, yeah. as hard as I could. Yeah. Left my bow there. Oh, and yeah. Went and got my dad. And uh, my mom and dad couldn't believe it. Like, yeah. You just left. Yeah. You know? So so we all come down here, and my brother and sister came down there with me. And, yeah, uh, that's cool. And I told them where I was, where deer were standing, and it was like, the blood trail, I mean, it was not sitting there having to like crawl on your hands and knees. It was like a bucket just taking it along? It was like a bucket had poured. And so we just followed, and he ran 30 yards. We Ooh. found him piled up. That's awesome. And, uh, you know, my dad, it was his bow, and he's yeah. never killed a deer with his bow. And he yeah. was just so impressed. He's like, I just I did not realize that yeah. the arrow could do as much damage. Yeah. So, yeah, so it was a three-point. Killed him on October 3rd. I still remember it to this day, as you can tell. <laughs> I just yeah. spilled out. Oh, yeah. So that, so that was the hunt where it... It was the bug that bit me, and that's yeah. how it's been for me for deer hunting ever since. I heard that, like I say, and then when I came about after you and all that, you got me started. I bought that PSC Sidewinder from you. Oh, yeah. <laughs> when I when I killed that deer, it was downhill there for me in boat hunting. I yeah. just loved it. Started doing, you know, 3D archery tournaments. And oh, yeah. Now, where all of you hunted with your bow? Uh, you know, I've only hunted here in Georgia, and if, if it's not on my family farm, it's you know, I've gone on a couple of trips with y'all. We went yeah. to Rum Creek, WMA. Yeah, Barry College, too. Barry College. <laughs> El- oh. You remember, well, Elmodale, I think I had my bow. We were doing the hog hunt. You remember that one? Yeah, we went to Elmodale a couple of times. Yeah. <laughs> with your damn Bowie knife. Yeah. Had the aggravating task with me, and I just stuck it straight through the damn tent. Brand new. Brand new tent. <laughs> Dad was like, what the hell, Connor? <laughs> like, ventilation. <laughs> that was probably some, that was one of the coldest nights I'd ever been in the woods. I mean, I was in a military bag, and I was still freezing my ass off. I, I don't no, I think that trip in Barry College was worse than that. It, it got from colder. the walking that sucked from having to go to camp and then what the three mile walk back to where we were hunting just about down that road. <laughs> yes, but I mean, it's just stuff like that, and I love doing. And I, as I get older, I like for Eli and let's do that stuff again. You know, I still remember the time that uh, you hadn't even picked up a bow, and uh, I can't remember if if Ivy and I were married yet, maybe we just started dating, mm. and uh, you were interested yeah and when you're trying to figure out what route to go by as far as should you go with a hunting bow should you go with a tournament bow yeah and you really hadn't even started hunting yet no i got actually you hadn't even started shooting a bow yet. that's why i was just flip-flopping idea because guys like chase were just talking about it at school mm-hmm. and stuff and that's after i got hurt in football i was just trying to find something else to get into and i, I think i told you i had a pse sidewinder yeah and so so you know, your mom and dad bought it from me and yeah. uh and that, that was probably your first bow, wasn't it? It was. It was my first bow. My com- Well, my first compound. I'll say that. I had a okay. recurve, and that got snapped. <laughs> got snapped. Too young to string it. Mom tried to help me, and she broke that limb in half. Cried a little bit on that one. But, yeah, that Sidewinder, I think I killed a quail with it at Elmodale. That's the only blood I got on that bow. Popped both his wings off. Yeah. But that's just cool. You know, at least I knew I could shoot a bow. I just had my problems getting the dang critter out in front of me. That was my problem. Cause, I mean, I have hunted good eight years with a bow, and I think I've only killed a hog, a quail, a couple rabbits from where we mm-hmm. shoot out here in the uh, yes. pecan field. Now, 
And staying like starting off equipment after you got that Fred Bear bow, what else did you kind of upgrade to? You know that that bow was because it's uh, an ongoing process in a way. Oh yeah, that was a hand me down. It was like the bow my dad said here you, you can actually he didn't even say here you can shoot it. It was yeah. there and it was in, if I ain't using it. <laughs> and I was like, hey, you mind if I shoot your bow? He said, yeah. Yeah. Man, I ain't using it. So that was something that just started it off. And then after I killed my first deer, and it mm-hmm. was the, after that deer season, um, that's the bug bit me, and and uh, that's when I bought the PSC Sidewinder. Mm-hmm. And uh, had it for a while, matter of fact. Yeah. And killed a couple more deer with it. And uh, I think the last deer I killed with it was actually the, uh, uh, was, you know, Ivy was hunting with me. Yeah. Um, it was a, it was a smaller bug. It was a four point, and she mm-hmm. was with me, so she got to see all that that excitement. <laughs> yeah. And uh, that was, uh, you know, she had never killed a deer. Yeah. You know, so when we started dating, I took a bow hunt, and that was part of that that the itch that got scratched and she yeah. said i want to do this as well so oh yeah so it was open a week in a rifle season i went and sat in the stand with her well, it was on a saturday afternoon october 27th and we took the video camera <laughs> and uh and we had we were sitting in there in the stand that we had you know modified so both of us could sit in there yeah. was that one behind y'all's trailer or was that a different no one? this is one of the hunting club okay. that her dad had you know on the hunting club okay for years. yeah and so we we climbed up in there and we had this group of deer come in. I think it was like three or four. Well, um, this this one deer was the biggest of them all. It was a six point, and you know anybody would be tickled pink to kill mm-hmm. a six point in the first deer because oh, it's a kill. basket rack and he was I main. Any bow perfect. kill is a trophy kill in my opinion because yeah. it takes a lot of work to get to that point. <laughs> well, yeah, she was rifle hunting. Oh, she was rifle hunting. Yes. Oh, okay, okay. And so I had the video camera. Here comes the buck come easing in. So I get the video camera and I start recording it and you know and I told her, you know, when you're ready, just let me know. I'll do the soft grunt and mm-hmm. make the deer stop. And so she said she was ready and she was shooting her cousin's uh rifle it was a 270. Yeah. And I said, Rawr. and she shot and he did that, that what they called it texas high kick yeah and uh and took off running and and she said you know crap i missed yeah and it ran off and i said no you didn't yeah. i was like you smoked him and and of course like i said she smoked him yeah and that was her first deer and, and it's been the same way for her so ever since and, and then she's, she's dropped some big ones too I, well both y'all have but i remember that one how many years back was that one she I mean, a real big one she killed. At nine point? Yes. Yeah, her and I was sitting in the stand together. It was the only box stand we had with a roof, and it yeah. was raining that afternoon. Uh-huh. And I was like, it was it was the pre-rut. It was in early November. Nope. It was on October 27th. <laughs> and, Corresponding date. <laughs> uh, yeah, the date starting, you know, yeah. starting to click. So we get in the stand, and I mean, as soon as it quits raining, um, I told her, I said, man, it's a perfect afternoon. Yeah. You can just have that feeling. Mm-hmm. And I'm looking down, you know, you know, glass in the area of my binoculars, and and as soon as he stepped out, I mean, he came out of the bedding area to thicket, and I mm-hmm. said, shoot her. And she's, <laughs> like, duh, duh, duh. And she's like, do what? I said, shoot her. And I mean, I had no all doubt. seen him because yeah. I was looking through binoculars, and he popped out in the lane. And uh, really like, give me that gun. <laughs> and I was about, about to say, you better hurry up. I'm going to take that gun from you. Yeah. And she, uh, he come in the lane, she got the gun up, and. Of course, you know, coaching the same time. I said, you're yeah. ready, just let me know, and I'll grunt at him. And so she was ready, so I grunted, and he stopped. No, nope. Yeah, he come in there, and, and what he was doing was, it had been raining all afternoon, and he wanted to come in there and refresh up a scrape. Because yeah, he yeah. went straight to the scrape, started kicking it up, and 
What time uh, evening was this? It was, I think it was about like an hour and a half before dark. Okay. And uh, so I always heard you for big buck killing, you they either do it middle of the day or middle of the night. I've heard that, but I don't it, know if that corresponds down here. It's, I think it really depends on the hunting pressure. That too. And how much, you know, presence is in the woods, the yeah. human presence. I agree with that. And so, you know, it was early in the season. I had, like I said, I mean, I, my wife at T, when I go hunting or go scouting, I'm like the uh, the person playing limbo out in the woods, making sure I don't touch no, you know, yeah, no yeah. twigs, no sticks, no yes. tall blade of grass. I mean, you I'm shouldn't know you walk boots. through there by the time you're done. You exactly. Know I, mean? I don't want them to know I've been there. Mm -hmm. And so, but anyways, when this deer come out, she shot him. He ran off, and she was like shaking, like I would have thrown up out of the stand. I've been so nervous. <laughs> and she's like sitting there, and have I had to take the gun from her because she was shaking so bad and holding her face. <laughs> well, here comes a doe. I said, "Well, we shot a you shot a big buck. We got an opportunity to shoot a doe. Next for me." I said, "Here, shoot no." She said, "I can't. I'm shaking. Yeah. You just do it." So I had to. So I shot the doe. And uh, anyways, we went down there, and it was a nine point. Heck of a deer, man. Yeah. I'd like to get some pictures just to post them for y'all. That'd be sweet. But uh, now I say, I can't remember where I was getting at. What, for scouting wise, what do you look for? Say you're walking in, I know you got your private property, but if you're walking on a piece of public land, what do you consider yourself as a starting point? What do down here then up in North Georgia? Cause you remember when we went to Rum Creek? Oh, yeah. I never you know, and, and I think blackberries was maybe just coming out and I didn't even have a black bear. I think I had a flip phone. Yeah. And so I didn't have access to, you know, aerial photographs. Yeah, that was really before, yeah, I used to say cell phones are just starting to debut. I don't think an iPhone was around yet. And that was the first time I ever been to to a WMA period to go hunt. Mm -hmm. Excuse me. And uh and it was so I was really going in blind. Yeah. As we all were. <laughs> and we all were. But yeah. what we did is as a, as a getaway trip, I think we did what three, four nights. Yeah, that was the yeah. whole arch team just get and have fun and enjoy it. And we took the uh, you know, we camped out in tents. Yeah. I mean we was, you know, hot as it out. heck. I it mean was it was so hot. And so we were so I just went in and started scouting and I found this area that was right along the lake and it had this natural pinch point mm -hmm. where the uh the slope was steep and then you had like a it was kind of like a saddle yeah where it kind of just it's no longer as steep and it comes up gradually and then on each side of it you had like a real deep kind of like a it was like a runoff area where it had run off and yeah. caused it to wash out and it was real steep yeah and i was like man you can tell it's a natural crossing area yeah. for the deer and it was also on the, on the side of the ridge where there was a bunch of acorns falling oh yeah I said, this would be a good spot, you know, for the first half of new hunt. And, uh, well, and you remember that. So I, we yeah. took our, took my climber in there and climbed up well, in the stand with my bow. And, and I was sitting there, you know, just trying to cool off. Cause like you said, it was hot. I mean, yeah. And I looked over my shoulder and, uh, and I heard, you know, cause I started hearing some rustling in the leaves and looked over there and it was two does and, mm -hmm. a, and a buck. And you remember that bullet like a Dr. Zeus? They had a, like a caribou shovel on one side. <laughs> so, and, and they were just crunching on the acorns and coming by to right down the path that, yeah. you know, um, I figured they would. Came down from that nuclear plant. Yeah, probably. <laughs> that's probably why he looked like a Dr. Zeus. Yeah. But he, uh, he come in and and I was shooting a fixed blade broadheads. And I remember he... Was out, that those Hellraisers back then? Yeah, it was made by Nap. Yeah. And uh, them things were very scary sharp. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. We, they were so sharp. That was the first time I ever experienced that. When I shot that deer, he jumped, mm -hmm. but then he stood there. Yeah. Turned around, 
I think he walked like 10 feet. And when I say when I shot him, I made like a perfect behind the shoulder shot. Yeah, 10 ringed him. <laughs> I mean, I didn't hit no shoulder. I didn't hit no oh, sweet bo- meat. <laughs> bones. It, it must have just fell perfect between the ribs. Mm-hmm. And he started walking off. And he walked maybe 10 feet. And he just stood there. And so meanwhile, I'm getting another air knot. And then he beds down. And he beds down in such a way that I can't put an air down there. Because because mm-hmm. his, his vitals is right behind a tree. But I see his head. Yeah. And then... um maybe a minute or so ago. I can't remember. I didn't yeah. time it. But all of a sudden, I, I hear him, uh, you know, take his last breath. Yeah. I said, that was the strangest thing ever. Because yeah. I, I killed a handful of deer by then, but that's the first time I've ever seen one just nice. do that. Yeah. And I, I really believe just because the, the broadheads were just so sharp that it, it just... He didn't know what was happening. He was just getting sleepy probably. And I was I don't feel good. <laughs> I don't know. It was strange. When the other two deer, you know, saw it, they just didn't think anything about it. Yeah. Well, that's the luxury of a bow. That's why I like bow hunting because with a rifle, once you shoot, I guess the ambiance of the woods seems a bit tattered. You know what I mean? Everything knows you're there, and it's just one of them things. Now, like down here on, I'll say going back to your property, for deer, turkey, and all that, what do kind of food plots do y'all do or anything like that? Do y'all try and, or if y'all plant any? You know, I used to do, I was really religious about food plots and I would have every stand have a food plot mm-hmm. and I would plant, you know, mixture. I do, you know, wheat, um, oats, yeah. um, rape. I would do whatever mixture. Now I would, I, I wouldn't go spend the money like on these big brands. Like you yeah. gotta have like, we did throw and grow with a rake. <laughs> you know what I found and I, it had to be coincidence yeah. how I found it. Cause you know, a lot of people say, Hey, you know, rye grass ain't good. Deer just don't like it. Yeah. Well, we plant rye grass in our, um, cattle pastures every year mm-hmm. and and my dad started using this, this particular variety that was a broadleaf ryegrass okay very drought resistant did very well on sandy loam soils oh, well cool. every evening we had deer out there eating it and plus we always mixed in a little bit of clover in with it as yeah, well i do like clover but the clover wasn't hadn't started growing yet because the ground the soil temperature hadn't got cold enough mm-hmm. so i knew they wouldn't eat that and and i just kept watching it and i said you know what i'm going to you know, start using that same ryegrass, and that's what I do. So what I have now is, is I have, you know, my land's divided in half by by a public road, yeah. and I, so right in the center of, of each side of the road, I have, you know, a central food plot, is what mm-hmm. I call it. Yeah. That food plot's a no-hunt zone, mm-hmm. and uh, and that's also the same thing. I, I, I keep it fed year-round in that same food plot, and yeah. like I said, it's a no-hunt zone, Yeah. and it's... Uh, and then I keep a, a safe border around it, and it's kind of like a sanctuary. Mm-hmm. And like I said, I just don't hunt it. I don't step yeah. foot in there, other than the fact to check the feeder mm-hmm. and uh, and place my my plant. Yeah. And so, and when I started doing that, that really um, changed the, the hunting aspect because the deer found something they could safely hunt or safely eat or feed, mm-hmm. and not worry about pressure yeah. or human interaction. And then I was hunting the trails in between the bedding areas and there, yeah. and that's what I started doing. Oh, heck yeah. And it's just, you know, as you see, it's just been very successful. Oh, for, for sure, yeah. Y'all definitely got the deer herd. And I'd say as, heck, another 10 years, y'all probably one of the, for private land, have better property than the hunting club down the road from y'all. <laughs> no, I don't know about that. <laughs> you never know. <laughs> now, uh, let's talk about some growing up bow hunting self-learning. What are some tips and strategies you kind of had to learn the hard way that would help us novice starting out today? You know, when I started shooting archery, uh, my dad, he had a bow. He shot a couple of times. Mm-hmm. He just never did get into it. He yeah. just didn't It's have... hard. I mean. What the. He didn't have somebody to show him. Oh, yeah, that's true, too. And I didn't really have somebody to show me either. And, and mm-hmm. a lot of the things I learned was from 
you know, getting hunting magazines, bow hunting magazines, yeah. reading. Uh, I was, you know, watching hunting shows, you yeah. know, on TV. And this is before you had YouTube, I'll before you, you could Google how real. to do something, yeah. you know. And I just, trial and error, biggest thing. Yeah. And I just started shooting a lot, learning what was. So you say practice is probably one of the key things just to get familiar with your equipment. Well, I wouldn't say practice. I mean, it's you have to be observant of what works and what don't work. That's true, too. And so, obviously, one of the key things about hunting or shooting a bow, period, whether it's a recurve, compound, um, long bow, mm. you have to be consistent with your anchoring. You have to yes. be consistent with everything you do, how you pull back, how you anchor, um, with your bow hand, you know, are you squeezing it too tight? Is it relaxed? Yeah. Do you feel the same pressure point you're on your palm when you're holding mm-hmm. the, the bow? And then same way with your release. You know, are you snatching the trigger? Are you anticipating a shot? Yeah. So there's a lot of things that just took a long time to fine-tune and learn. Yeah. And uh, the biggest thing I started doing, matter of fact, is... I had a video camera. My dad had it. My parents had this video camera. It was the one that sits the on your shoulder. camera. And it was huge. <laughs> yeah. And I had it video me as I would pull my bow back uh-huh. and, you know, and settle in on the target and squeeze the trigger. And to learning, was I snatching the trigger? Yeah. I was being, you know, I was, you know, being very uh, rough, you know, tough on myself, you know, critiquing myself. Yeah. I was honestly critiquing myself. Yeah. Like, well, that's how you're going to get better, though. And so that's how I learned. And. You know, that's smart. I mean, especially for back then, a lot of people probably weren't doing that. They were just getting out in the yard and flinging it. And there's a difference, too, from standing in the yard shooting a bag from where you're 10, 15 feet up mm-hmm. in a tree on a platform. And like you said, you got to shoot down. Yes. So that's you got to get in your stuff and practice like because you don't know if there's a buckle going to hit, a strap going to catch, or anything yes. like that. So exactly. that's another big thing, too. Now, what about for turkey hunting? When did you start getting into that? You know, when it got turkey hunting, my dad had a real good friend. Um, he... Love taking people turkey hunting. Yeah. And, uh, you know, at that time, we didn't have any turkeys on our property. Really? And so so he took me hunting. And we heard him gobbling that morning, and we just couldn't make it happen. He mm-hmm. had a phenomenal place to hunt. And well, that was the first time I got to hear turkeys gobbling, because at that time, we didn't have turkeys on our property. Now, let me ask you this. Did y'all have a bunch of like, coyote problem with cows and stuff? No, it's just like, you know, just like it was with a deer. You know, the turkey population got almost, you know... Decimated in. I heard Dad told me that he got something in the email that they're changing the law or the limit on turkeys this year. They had a vote or something. I didn't get it. I didn't enough. get the final. I saw what they was proposing it, yeah. where they they uh, they asked for opinions. Like, would you be opposed to reducing the limit from three to two? Um, would you, you know, would you want a limit where you can only kill one bird um, during the first two or three weeks of the season? Mm. It, it was like a survey to answer. Yeah. And you know, I'd be honest with you. I'm not opposed to reducing it from a three to two. That's fine with me. But, uh, you know, we have a lot of hens in our, on our property. That's another, I wish they would open up at least a few hen days. I mean, there's enough of them out there. I mean, if you go to Madison, Florida, mm-hmm. down to my buddy's property, there's more hens than there is toms. And there's no way you can pull a tom to you over there. No. There's no fighting the real thing. Yeah. <laughs> and, you know, and that's... He took me, and I, I got a little scratch. And I said, okay, you know, maybe, you know. Yeah. And then um, I tried to go a couple times, you know, like I said, behind my house. And I just, I just didn't have somebody to show me because yeah. my dad had never been either. Because yeah. he was, like he said, on the farm, he said, I just never seen him. Yeah. So when I got married, I moved to Savannah. Uh, my wife and I was going to school over there. Mm-hmm. And we was living in apartments. Yeah, I remember that. <laughs> and uh, 
and you know me, you know, you know, being away from what I like to do and everything, yeah. I, I was trying to find something that I can still do that was part of me mm-hmm. over there. Well, you know, you can't shoot your bow in an apartment complex. <laughs> so I'm like having to find out. So I find a local archery store, and I yeah. go to one. It's called a Wildcat Archery. Okay. And at the time, he was in Richmond Hill. Mm-hmm. And I went to him and, and I said, hey, is there any public ranges here I can shoot my bow? He yeah. said, matter of fact, there is. One there on the west side of uh, Chatham County. Okay. And I looked it up. Sure enough, it was like ten minutes from my house. Oh, that's perfect. Or from my apartment. Yeah. So, uh, so in the afternoons, you know, if I had nothing to do, I would run down there and I would, you know, shoot my bow. And they had a, you know, um, was it ASA style kind of thing? Or no, like- it, it was. I can't remember the kind of targets they had, but they had them like position. Like had like maybe ten targets. And like Buckmaster style in a way. Um, no, it was just just regular flat targets. Oh, okay. It was nothing right. fancy. They had some of them out in the open pad, open field where you could shoot 80 yards if you wanted to. And then they had some position throughout some planted pines that mm-hmm. as you walked down the course, they were different distances. Okay, kind of like field archery. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And so I, so I got to go there and shoot. Well, while doing that, I met this man named Mark Lauber. Yeah. Um, he was, you know, significantly older than me. He was, um, I would say he was a little older than my dad. Okay. And... Very nice guy. I met him there, talked to him, you know. So throughout the time, just we're going back and forth, you know, shooting. I just got to know him better because mm-hmm. he ended up coming out here as well shooting. Yeah. And uh, this guy, he kind of reminded me of, uh, what's his name? Is it Fred? Uh, Fred Eichler. Who? Fred Eichler. No, uh, or it might have been, uh, his last name was Barta, where he did everything the hard way. Oh, uh, he had his own hunting show, didn't he? Had his own hunting yeah, show. Yeah, I know you're talking about old school guy. Yes, he reminded me a lot of him. Like he did everything the hard way. <laughs> yeah. And when I say the hard way, I don't mean traditionalist. I should say. No, I would say he he wasn't afraid to get in there and try something new just to learn yeah, and try to and be successful. That's usually an innovator. He, usually. I guess you can say more of a he was adventurous. He did it for yeah. the adventure, not for the hunt. Yeah. Or not for the kill. He did it for the hunt, the experience. Yeah. And so, well, we hunted. He hunted Fort Stewart. He also hunted the Savannah River National Wildlife Refuge. And uh, so we have a funny story about that one. Right, we'll get into it. <laughs> so so I met him and he said, hey, you turkey hunt? I said, no, I mean, I've gone one time. I said, I don't know what I'm doing, never been there. This mm-hmm. guy, uh, when I learned, I met that he had been used as a judge for numerous um, NWTF. National Wild Turkey Federation calling contests. And uh, he was telling me, he remembers when, um, was Michael Waldell was a young man, you know, oh, him coming up. Yeah, I was like, really? And he was, you know, telling me all this stuff. And the guy knew how to call turkeys. I bet. And uh, so he took me. We went to Fort Stewart, uh-huh. and Fort Stewart is was he military or were you? He place? was prior military, okay, so you can get on there. And, uh, and that's what brought him there because he was from upstate New York, and um, snowbird then. <laughs> he he come down to. He took me out there to uh, Fort Stewart. Yeah. And Fort Stewart, it's open to, you don't have to be just military, okay. anybody, but you have to get the special permit. Mm-hmm. Um, and it has these zones. And at that time, you had to do everything by phone, like landline. You had to call in when you went to the zone to tell you if that zone was available or not because yeah. they were doing military training. Yeah. And you had to be called it back in by a certain time to check out. Mm-hmm. So we did that. He took me in there. He said, I'm getting to you, these birds ain't going to gobble. Yeah. He said, because they get hunting pressure like you won't believe. No, I'm pretty sure. So we get in there. He said, I got these areas that I know. We're going to go in here blind. I yeah. say I say blind. He said, I know the birds are here. 
we're going to sit here and we'll just softly call. Mm-hmm. We're, we're not going to yelp. He said, these birds here, they hear every kind of yelp there is. I still yeah. remember this today. The locating yelp. And he said, yeah. He said, don't, you don't want to yelp. All we're going to do is just cluck them pearls. I might start doing that because that's all my new property that I'm on now. I had them gobbling every morning, but they just wouldn't come mm-hmm. in. So I think I might try that. But anyways. <laughs> so I was learning. So I had a slate call. Yeah. And uh, he had a slate call. I still remember it was a Reynolds custom call. Wow. And... Uh, and he was sitting there and he said, just, you know, just follow what I do. Yeah. And so I did. And I was just working on it. And, uh, cause it was probably an hour, two hours after sunrise. Mm-hmm. And we were sitting in this kind of like, it, it's not like a slew. It was like a little drainage area. Mm-hmm. And I remember sitting there, I had the gun laying down on my, on the ground to my right. And, uh, cause we had just sat down and I was just sitting there relaxing. And he was to me on the left and we started calling. Yeah, together or <clears throat> yeah, he would do something and just I try kinda, to mimic it. Yeah, just practice. Yep. And uh, I looked up and here's three kamikaze jakes running in at us. Oh shoot! And I said, Mark, yeah, turkeys. Yeah. And he looks up. He said, They're jakes, and they come running in. I mean hard. I mean like like I had them on string just pulling yeah. them in. And uh, he said, Don't move. He said, When you when you commit, you have to do it all quickly. Yeah. And so they come running in. I was able to drop the call without them seeing it and move my hand slowly towards the gun. Yeah. And all in one motion, I brought the gun up and picked one out, you know. Dusted them. (laughs) And smoked him. Heck, yeah. That was my first turkey. It was a Jake. Um, How big was his beard? Just a little. Oh, man. (laughs) Is it a Jake beard? It was a Jake beard. (laughs) Still a turkey, though. Man, I was on cloud nine. I was so excited. Well, to me, that's considered like a big game bird for when it comes. And that's my favorite bird to hunt. In my opinion. Oh, I mean, that was something. He said, you accomplished what very few people here accomplished. He yeah. said, because this, they're out here. They just get overhunted. They get... They're smart, man. They're smart. Yeah. And I was excited. So, you know, so so Mark taught me a lot about turkey hunting. He mm-hmm. taught me about how to call. He even gave me a cassette tape to put in. And it was like the natural sounds of a turkey that they had, mm-hmm. I guess, a microphone where they could... Like feeding hen and all that yeah, stuff. Yeah, doing different calls. Yeah. Whether it was feeding, if it was a uh, alert, you yeah. know, alert yelps, locating yelps, um, clucks and pearls, and I mean, and they had a guy narrating to tell you what different ones mean. You don't remember the name of that dude? Probably on YouTube by now. No, actually, I still got a cassette tape. Oh, damn, that's cool. And uh, <laughs> if you can find a way to play it now, that's the thing. <laughs> well, actually, I do, and and I and so my boy, yeah. I said, Eli, you need to listen to this. And, yeah. And Eli can now mimic the sounds without having a diaphragm in his mouth. They say that like young boys and stuff, they can reach that different level. And so it'd be pretty cool if he could do it by just himself. <clears throat> and he can do it really good. Some yeah. people are like, so you got a map and your diaphragm in his mouth? I said, No, yeah. you don't. We nah, do that boy's gonna be a killer though. That's gonna be cool. I'm ready to take him on a few hunting trips as well. Hot is. <laughs> damn release <laughs> i heard that was about to beat my ass the whole time that morning when you hit it <laughs> but be, be all honesty yeah. you left it somewhere it should yeah, have been I, left i right? would have left it at camp if i did if you didn't grab it exactly <laughs> but that's so, just part of it though <laughs> i want to forget chuck we were in a wrestling and chuck was like john is that your two sons he's like no they're just wrestling <laughs> but it was cool though man i got that stuff i'll take with me to the grave and it's you learn character that way too toting a stand like that it's yes. just fun I but believe you, that's but you don't forget your lease now, do you? Hell no. I ain't got to worry about one now. I got fingers. <laughs> oh, Lordy. But now I'll say this. If you're, you've killed quite a few birds now, what's your go-to call to pull up a hung tom? Would you do a box, slate, reed? I got a custom call, and it was made by um, Lonnie Mabry. Mm-hmm. 
when I was living in North Georgia in Jasper, I met a uh, individual up there that was telling me, he said, have you, he said, you like turkey hunt? I said, I do. Have you ever met Lonnie Mabry? I said, no, I haven't. Mm -hmm. And he said, well, he lives in Wallisca and he likes to make custom calls. Is that in Georgia? Yeah. Okay. It's in, uh, I haven't heard of that. Yeah, it's, it's, it's in between, it's, it's southwest of Jasper, it's northwest of, uh, of Canton. Oh, okay, so it's up there then. Yes. Oh, okay. And I said, no, I hadn't met him. He said, I got his name and number. Mm -hmm. I got his number. You can call him up and tell him to get there. But he just loves to do it as a hobby. Um, I got a guy. He's my buddy. He's starting Ryan Farrell. You might know him. He's making his own calls now. Really? Yeah. And so I said, well, okay. So I went up there and, and you know, met and walked in Lonnie's little, you know, shed. And it wasn't just a, you know, just a rundown yeah. shed. It was like. He took care of it. He had everything organized. Right, Walking right. there, and he had his shells. Nothing but. He had box calls. He had long paddle box calls. Ooh. He had short paddle box calls. He had um, different types of slates, whether it was crystal slate calls. Yeah. Um, he had um, slate calls with wood sound boards. He had slate calls with crystal right. sound boards. He mm -hmm. had crystal calls with wood sound boards. Doesn't that get just a sharper sound in the woods, just a little more rounded, I should it, say? It, it does. Like different sound boards on whatever, whether yeah. it's a crystal call, or I say crystal, glass yes, call, yeah. or a wood call, uh, I mean a slate call, it just, they'll have put different boards in there and it gives a different sound. Yeah, different pitches and all that. Well, he's got different types of wood and he'll tell you the history oh, of the wood. That's cool. And then he, on the back of the calls, he wrote what the wood is and what year. That's badass. I mean, it was really nice. So it was one, so I bought a couple of box calls from him that just, you know, ones that he, he wrote in my name. You know, yeah. good luck, you know, many years of turkey hunting. That's cool. Same way to Eli. He wrote yeah. one for Eli. Well, you know, I've not ever been successful with a box call. I've tried mm -hmm. them a couple times. I guess I've had one, but I've never used it as my primary to get a bird in. I think it it goes back to, you know, have they heard it a lot? Yes. And so the box call, or the, the, the I like a slate call. Yeah. Um, it depends. If it's real humid, I like to use a glass call. If it's yeah. not real humid, I like to use a slate. The slate has, to me, a more natural sound. Yeah, but if you get it wet, you're screwed. It is, and that's why you know, I don't just go with it. I yeah. keep a, a glass collar. I usually got one in my mouth, an extra in my bag, and then I got my main slate that I have on my little leg that I so I can sit and scratch. I don't even use a mouth call. I mean, it's I use. Well, that bow. That's what I'm gonna have to. Oh, that's yeah. <laughs> with that long bow. That's what I'm, my strategy is going. I'm gonna try and pull them, keep them in there with a the mouth call if I can. My biggest struggle I have is I can't hear. It's yeah, like, that's true. It's yeah. like the gobble falls in a perfect frequency Decibel, range yeah. that I. Don't hear. Yeah, and uh, you know, I had the the that hearing could be an advantage. <laughs> to, to me, I can't. To, it's an advantage for the bird. Yeah, yeah, that's true. But you know, they call it a cookie hearing loss because yeah. it's, it's the mid frequency, the, yeah. uh, the low pitch. You know, like you know, like you hear people with their bass. I, yeah. I have excellent hearing. Um, child screaming. I have excellent at that, that frequency. I have excellent hearing. Yeah, and, but it's right there in the mid frequencies. That's, that's crazy. You figured it'd be the either or, or you couldn't hear lower. Or it's hereditary. Yeah, that's true too. So, <laughs> Dang so, genetics. If, so, so if if the if the turkey's not within a hundred yards facing me, I can't hear it. Gobble. That sucks. I mean, so, so basically, I I go in where I know the area it is, and I'll just sit there. If, yeah. And if I can hear them, that's great. If I can't hear them, I'll just sit there and mm -hmm. and I always try to sit in a spot for an hour after I start calling. Yeah. Yeah. because I've had it for where, each set you would say before yes. you move that's smart. because I've, I've had it where 30 minutes in I didn't hear nothing I got up and I, and I was I stood up it was three gobblers I mm. mean just over the ridge that were yeah. coming to me and uh, so you know you learn lessons that's yeah. the lessons you learn 
That's just being out there. That's all. You, that's how you're going to learn anyway. Yes. Just inundating yourself. But the one that really laid the foundation and taught me a lot was, you know, was that guy. His name's Martin Aubrey. He's a good friend. Mm-hmm. And I still talk to him. And, oh, that's cool. And he's, uh, I, I, I seen him pictures of my boy when he killed his first turkey last year. Yeah. And, and, I said, tell me about that. How did that go down? It's about Eli. Yeah, it's about bird. Eli's first bird. So I bought Eli this, uh, this 410. It's, it's a single shot made by Stevens. Uh-huh. And it came with a, a turkey choke, a super full choke. Have you seen Dad's 410? I think it might be a Stevens, but it's like OD green. It's got where you can put 10 shells in the stock. I mean, no, I hadn't seen it. It's not going to be a bad little turkey slayer. He's going to put a red dot on top of it. It's just a regular single shot. You know, it kind of looks like the New England single shot Okay, that's style. what my old 20 gauge yeah. So it's a break open single shot. Simple. Very simple. light, yes. Well, Eli, I started... Uh, he been shooting BB, you know, BB gun since he was three. Yeah, and uh, he wore out that BB gun last summer, you know, during <laughs> yeah. the coronavirus yeah. pandemic, where he was staying home, and and he wore that BB gun out. Oh I mean, yeah, I mean, he's outside. You know, it wears out a Red Rider style BB gun. Not in their lifetime. Within four years, I still got mine from when I was younger. So <laughs> the boy shoots it all the time. Yeah, that's good though, man. You're setting the foundation for him to be a hell of an outdoorsman. But I mean, he's very. I mean, for his age, I mean, I don't. I'm think... impressed because he can actually carry on a hunting conversation like an adult <laughs> versus some of the kids. Well, that is gun safety is phenomenal that too. That's another big thing and uh you know he's very good with his gun he's very conscious about his where he points his muzzle awareness is mm-hmm. there uh, yeah. keeps his finger off the trigger until he's ready to shoot Man, that's how i was brought up too just being around at a young age and it's just you get to enjoy it you know what i mean and so whenever uh so i started so i bought him this this 410 i've had this monopod uh shooting stick made by primos that you can shoot him yes. down Those things are good and uh and I had him because he wasn't quite strong enough when I first got it when he was six years old to hold it and freehand shoot yeah. it because it, it is a little heavy yeah. um, for his size. <laughs> yeah, I was like, yeah. And I put, you know, um, skeet out there about 20 yards and different, you know, That's different smart. differences, yeah. let him shoot. And he can visually see that he's hitting it and yeah. because it does. Man, he just smoked it. And I'm just shooting just bird shot in mm-hmm. So last year, turkey hunting, we, we went. Um, a good friend of ours um, said, hey, you want to take Eli and get this bird. I said, yeah, yeah. let's go. So Eli's sitting in my lap and we get, we get in there. I mean, it's like dark and we walk in there and mosquitoes are horrible. Yeah. We get sitting down, find a tree. Well, I have Eli sit right in my lap. I don't mm-hmm. have no fancy turkey chair. Yeah. Uh, he sits in my lap so I can sit there and coach him. Yeah. And, uh, we sat down and light comes up. Well, the bird starts gobbling. <laughs> I mean, I'm like, Oh, I can hear you. Yeah. I mean, he's like, oh, he's He's close close. Then. I said, Eli, you hear that? He said, yeah, I hear him, Daddy. Yeah. Well, I heard him fly down. And, you know, I can hear turkey wings, you know, yeah. for a long ways. Oh, yeah. It scared the shit out of you, too, when you're walking through the woods as well, coon hunting before. <laughs> so, so he started, I heard him fly down, and he's gobbling. And, uh, and you know, it is, it's low light still. I mean, you can still see plenty fine, but it's still low light. Mm-hmm. And what really neat was is when you get them in low light situations like that, when they first come off that tree and they're hot, yeah. They're, their head starts glowing like an incandescent, yeah, like yeah. fluorescent. They're like different colors. It's like they're a neon blue, white-ish. <laughs> and you can see him walking through yeah. the slough, coming behind the palmettas, and I'm having to wait and for the perfect shot. And he gets over here, and he's about 35 yards. It's a good poke, especially and, 410. And so, yes, it was a 410, and I'm like, man, mm. this right here is going to be a, a good shot. I don't mm-hmm. know the effectiveness of this 410. Yeah. Um, but it only takes one pellet. <laughs> well, he, he's shooting a federal premium TSS, yeah. number nine. I've seen a bunch of those. A lot of people complain about the price, but they are a hammer knocker. It, it's $30 yeah. for five or six. Yeah. But I'm going to tell it. you something. When that, that bird 
held up. You know, yeah. they get locked up where they won't come in any further. Mm-hmm. And I told Eli, I said, I think it's going to be now or never on this bird. I said, yeah. um, when you're ready. So I had I caught the hammer back, and he's zooming in. I mean, like he's like dead focused. Yeah, laser and, vision. <laughs> and, and, and my buddy's like five yards behind me, and he's like, she want to shoot? And, I said, and uh, which I can't hear him because yeah. you know, I'm focused on Eli. And he shoots. That bird drops. Heck yeah. <laughs> and I'm like, and, and right before he shoots, maybe my heart's like about a pound through yeah, my chest. Yeah. And I'm like, uh, just I'm send like, it. <laughs> so, so when he finally send it and the bird drops, I'm like taking in this big just, uh, breath of fresh yeah. air for relief. Yeah. Because one, I didn't want the boy to be heartbroken because he just missed his first bird. Yeah. And but but he was on cloud nine. He ran oh, down God, there. Yeah. And uh and he was he had like a six inch beard. Oh, that's good. And he was excited. Well, let me tell you this. All that did was just ignite that fire. Oh, I bet. And so about two weeks later, um, we call him Uncle Rico, his uncle. Yes. He, uh, Cousin Eddie. Cousin Eddie. <laughs> he, he called me up and said, hey, you want, I got a bird. We, we got to eat. Mm-hmm. Let Eli get on. I said, all right. So we meet him that morning. We get situated in there. This bird does not gobble. Really hits the ground, not he, saying he, a word. I mean, he gobbled once in the tree. It was Dang. foggy that morning. Yeah, yeah, fog is the worst thing to have a damn turkey hunting. And we had a uh, Uncle Rico come up with this turkey yeah. decoy set. I yeah. need to get the pictures, and maybe you can you can share it on yeah wilderness tamer or uh, wilderness tamer. I want to have Uncle Rico on this someday. He wants to come on during the turkey season. I told him I said I'll get you on one day, maybe next week or two. Yeah, yeah it'd be fun. He uh he come up with this. This ugly decoy. I guarantee you, it was, it was ugly. Like a Walmart decoy or something? No, 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 no. It was ugly. <laughs> I mean, it, it was... Like 10 beers deep ugly? <laughs> it, it was like the decoy was made out of this foam. Oh, I got you. Like, a, like it, it, it barely held its shape. Ah, uh, yeah. And I know he was exactly able to find time. a Jake, uh, Jake tail fan uh-huh. from somewhere, you know. I don't yeah. know where. And he had a, two sticks holding it and he had to stick it in the ground right behind it that sounds about on par <laughs> and, and so and then he had a hen decoy that he laid down like she was you know dusting yeah. her feathers well it was sitting there looking straight ahead we heard him gobble one time and he stopped yeah you hear him fly down and it was like kind of like out of the ghost of the darkness oh, but, but it's like yeah to me, I don't know what it is about a turkey. They kind of remind me of a grim reaper. That, or it's just a uh, rapper, a raptor in the modern form, you know? He comes slowly easing out of the fog. Ooh. Like he just came out. That would have been cool to catch on video. <laughs> well, he did. He videoed it. Oh, dang. And so, yeah, Uncle Rico was video recording. Eli was sitting, you know, right in my lap to my legs. And uh, he just come straight in. Mm-hmm. Didn't say a word. I mean, just yeah. locked jaw, did not say a word. Probably smart bird. He was and, just going to look. And you saw a couple of hens walking behind him, walking, a, you know, parallel and us going where they was originally wanting to go. Mm-hmm. Well, what he saw was there was a tom on his territory yeah. with a hen. Yep. He was mad. He come in there and, and Uncle Rico said, don't shoot him. Mm-hmm. I want him to attack the decoy. Yeah. I said, okay. So he come in there and he was, you can hear him spitting. You hear oh, him drumming. Oh, that's cool. Yeah. And he, you can tell he had his, he would drop his tail feathers down and he had his head up like he was yeah. about to pounce Spur on <laughs> Yeah, he was about to pounce on the decoy. Yeah. And, and Uncle Rico said, shoot him. I said, I thought you said to wait. You know, he said, God. <laughs> Abandoned the plan, plan A or plan B. <laughs> I said, Eli. I said, uh, shoot him. Sick him. <laughs> Eli shot him. The, the 
you know, when you shoot at a turkey, they, they always, you know, they flop. Yeah. When they, when they flop, they, they flop. Yeah. This turkey fell straight backwards and fell like a sack of potatoes. Just straight dirt, man. I mean, just don't get no deader. Yeah. I mean, no twitching, no flopping. Yeah. I mean. It's the way to do it. That 410 impressed me. I'm thinking when I do gun hunt, it's either going to be my 20 gauge or a 410 because I feel like a 12, it almost does too much damage to the bird. Well, you get a lot of harsh recoil. That too. That's a funny story. On, I'll get into that. But the number nines on them TSS rounds, man, they are phenomenal because really? they put so many rounds in a spot and mm-hmm. they're heavy. Yeah. When compared. Are they a copper BB or is it like a. No, they're tungsten steel. Oh, shoot. So they're, so they're real heavy for the size. Okay, so I guess that's the TSS then. Yes, it's a Dang. TSS. Yeah. Um, it, I mean, pattern's phenomenal. That gun. I don't have. I don't have a red dot scope on that gun. Yeah. It's just he's shooting that BB. I wouldn't. There weren't no batteries or nothing. And, hey. and plus, if you get reliant on a red dot and the batteries die, you're screwed. <laughs> well, the gun's so light, he can easily maneuver it, handle it. Now mm-hmm. it's got a sling on it, but it's not so light that where the recoil is harsh. Yes. Like he's not first time complaining about a recoil. Yeah. And plus, most of the time that animal's in front of you, you ain't gonna feel it anyway. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> you're, I mean, like you say, your heart's pounding out your chest. You're like, man, I can't believe I got this sucker right here in me. But man, when he killed that bird, that bird was phenomenal. He had almost 11 inch beard. He had um, one spur that was uh, over an inch and three eighths. I mean, That's this nice. is a phenomenal bird. Yeah. I mean, I told Eli, I said, not many people kill a bird like yeah. that. And uh, and because I got his tail fan out and I got it drying out on a board right next to his first bird, and I yeah. said, Eli, he's twice the size. The fan's twice the size of your Jake. Heck of an upgrade, ain't it? <laughs> and so the boy loves deer hunt. He loves to hunt squirrels. He loves to hunt rabbits. He loves to hunt doves. Yeah. He killed his first duck this year with his four ten. Now see, that's like duck hunting with you and Ivy too. I mean, growing up with y'all, y'all brought me at least got me into it where I could pick and choose what I like doing. Mm-hmm. So. Now, like, getting that, what animal, which I know you say you like whitetail, would you say that's the animal you gravitate more towards? If you had to pick one to do for the rest of your life, would you want either turkey, deer, or is there something else that you would prefer to do? I have seasons. That's true, too. That's about how it, I it am. It depends on what time what's of year. In. If, it, if it's during November, oh, buddy, it's all about whitetail. Yeah. I mean, I won't even look at a duck. Yeah, that's true. Um, it's not until, you know, um, you know, middle part of December before I even start thinking about duck hunting. Yeah, that's true. Um, usually not even really, not until January, to be honest with you. Yeah. But uh, it, it depends. You know, I, I enjoy uh, turkey hunting. Um, mm-hmm. I enjoy fishing. It just depends on what say, time of year it is. Yeah. what I'm doing. I mean, I'll say, because you got a nice saltwater boat, too. If you know what kind of boat you got. It's a Roballo. Oh, it's a God. bay boat. <laughs> yeah. Uh, yeah we need to do a podcast out there and go fishing on the flats, <laughs> man. <laughs> I'll tell you, my wife and kids love that boat. And yeah, I bet. We, we take our nieces. We take friends out on it. And it's yeah. just... Um, what do y'all go after most of the time? Are y'all just like, I know y'all go boat riding, but like... We like to inshore fish. Yeah, we well, really do. Safer, for uh, one. Well, we just... You know, I mean, she did, she she gets seasick. Yes, and so she has to take these special pat, um, patches to go behind the ear. I had to put one on for the cruise. <laughs> and uh, but when we're in, we're inshore, she doesn't don't get sick. Mm-hmm. I think you know, but as soon as we, we she talks about going offshore, yeah. she'll get sick. Well, I think if you lose sight of land, that messes with a lot of people too. Yes, because I remember an Ed's boat, we'd go seven, 50, 75 miles out. And mm-hmm. I was younger, and I was, now I'm like, what the hell were they thinking going out that far? It don't, my boy. Yeah, Eli, he don't care. Yeah. We, we can go. Well, when we've gone out, you know, um, over 30 miles on my That's boat, offshore long, fishing. Yeah. You know, we caught red snapper. Um, you know, Ivy, was t- she had that patch on her ear, so she was good there. Yeah. We caught grouper. Uh, this past year, Eli caught his first um, keeper grouper, and he was a hoss. Yeah. About pulled Eli over the boat. It was, it was hilarious. <laughs> I heard that. I mean, he's like, Daddy, fish on. 
Daddy fish on, and he's like, and, and going like, to the grass. He's walking along yeah. the side of the boat, along the gunnel, and the rod's going down more and more. And uh. he's like, Daddy, help. <laughs> yeah. So I'm in the front of the boat trying to, you know, uh, yeah. get stuff uh, situated. Well, I'm having to retie another one because I just had a um, big fish break my line off. Oh, man. So I had to drop that, run there, and grab it with a quick my one yeah. hand. I said, all right, Eli. I said, really, man, I'll help you. Yeah. I said, as I pull up, don't reel. I said, as I let it down, reel. Mm-hmm. So he did, and he brought, he called it was a 28-inch grouper. Holy crap. <laughs> it was just, I mean, it about pulled him in. I bet. <laughs> he was not going to let go of that rod. Yeah. Now, I'll say with all this hunting, what's your favorite way to prep, said wild game or fish? If you, you like grilling it, smoking it? I, I really, I'm not a fan of fry. Yeah, I mean, I like to because uh, that can frying can take a lot of flavor out of me. It, it really depends on on what if it's deer. I like to uh, I'll get the steak. I always always not steak. I always leave the back straps whole mm-hmm. so I can do whatever I want to do. A lot of times I'll cut them in mini, uh, mini steaks. I'll marinate it in a yeah. special marinade I have, and it doesn't need to sit in that marinade more than an hour. Yeah, and then uh, I'll cook it until it's medium. That's the yes. secret about deer meat is you don't cook it as done. You need to yeah. leave the pink in it. That's the only thing people they think you got a wild game. You got to scorch it and all that. But mm-hmm. deer, it's three and two. You know, and you eat it. And uh, I mean, I like deer sausage. Uh, I get a, a local processor here. He'll make it and he'll call me before he freezes it, so I can pick up this yeah. link sausage and I'll smoke it myself. And before I freeze That's awesome. it, um, fish. Um, you know, redfish. My favorite way to eat redfish is I like to blacken it on the yes. skillet. Blacken redfish, but it's not. Grouper. It's not a heavy blacken. It's it's like a light blacken. Yeah, like a, just a good Cajun season. Yes. almost. Um, I like to do that. Triple tail is my, probably my favorite fish. Really, to eat. Um, we caught a triple tail a couple of years ago, and I filleted off the backbone, left the uh, the scales on the other side. Yeah, and uh, so I left the skin and scales on there, and so it's kind of like a like a you know. It's on a shell. Yeah, yeah. And so I let it brine um, for a short time. It wasn't overnight. And then I put on a smoker, and I did a what called a low, a cold smoke. Yes. So I did it at 150 degrees, and I had the scales down and the meats up, you know, yeah. and I and I cook it. And it took, you know, it took a couple hours. Like I said, it's a cold smoke. Mm-hmm. And, uh, low and slow. <laughs> and it's like, uh, I cooked it just enough where you stuck a fork in it and twisted it flake. Oh, man. I, Ivy and her mama... You know, we're like, you know, their mouths are just drooling. Like, oh, I know, This is like the best fish I've ever ate. Yeah. And uh, they were really just love the flavor. I mean, and so that's the first triple tail I ever ate yeah. that I caught. And um, and I, the way I could, I mean, it was so good. Oh, so it, it just depends. It, turkeys, that's probably the only thing I'll eat fried. We'll yeah. cut it up in nuggets and let it soak in buttermilk overnight. Mm-hmm. And then we'll fry it in peanut oil. And, it, and it's like... Oh man, it's good. I mean, I bet. Yeah. And sometimes we've tossed it in a buffalo sauce and had like you know buffalo oh, yeah. turkey nuggets. And, and Eli too, loves him some turkey nuggets. <laughs> I, I bet. Mean, man, that's the best poultry you can bring out of the woods, in my opinion. But uh, I say we're rounding it up here towards the end, and uh, I'm glad you've come on finally. And finally, get able to do this thing, man. Yeah, sorry about that, nah, dude. It's just life and scheduling. But I definitely want to have you back on. I want to have Ivy on and, you know, Dr. Julie and them, too. Just have a woman's perspective. And plus have the wives, too. As wives of a hunter, see oh, yeah. get their perspective yeah, on you it. You need to get Ivy on it. She should talk about her coon hunting days. Yeah, that's got me started <laughs> in that, too. <laughs> that was a backhanded compliment, though, getting into coon hunting. Yeah. God, but, but I can, thanks again, Dustin. I really appreciate it coming on. And thanks again to everybody for listening to the Wilderness Tamer podcast. Looking forward to what the future holds.